Hey mom, first things first, thank you. It's my one year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help, and yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, mom, Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost. When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 Brand Spark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on Shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, we can't get fooled again. Hey, how you doing, everyone? I am Ben Kissel, joined by Marcus Parks. Hello. Welcome to Abe Lincoln's Top Hat. If this is the first time you're listening, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, We've had a hell of a week, to say the least here, as a country as a whole. Uh, (laughs) Judge Kavanaugh, he is now officially a Supreme Court justice. Many people full of rage, many people full of anger. We're going to break that down a little bit later on in the show here. Also, the New York Times has published a special investigation, and it's talking all about uh, Donald Trump's taxes. Of Mm. course, we still haven't seen... The famous taxes, uh, Rachel Maddow on MSNBC did reveal some tax returns from a couple of years back, but it just showed that he paid taxes. It didn't really get to the nitty gritty of potential fraud. So the name of this, if you want to if you want to go and read this article, it's called Trump engaged in suspect tax schemes as he reaped riches from his father. Believe it or not, his dad gave him a little bit more than just a million dollar loan, which is a hell of a lot of money to begin with. Uh huh. I think that what uh, they said that Donald Trump was a millionaire by uh, the age of eight. He was a hard worker. <laughs> you know, when you're when you're a super brain like that, you just yeah. get to be a millionaire by the age of eight. Yeah, uh, no doubt. And I also want to talk about this. This is a New York Times opinion piece, and it's entitled What the Grievance Study Hoax Really Shows. Basically, long story short, and we'll do a little bit bit of a deeper dive here right now, as a matter of fact. Let's do this right now. Sure. Basically, what some professors did was they wrote 20 articles. Now, yeah. So so what exactly is grievance studies? I mean, so is it studying grievances? So basically, they wrote these um, and they sent them out to journals of the 20, seven of them got picked up by journals. So the hoax, it was an elaborate year long series of 20 article submissions that resulted in seven accepted papers and four publications, all in journals devoted to fields the hoaxers characterized as grievance studies. So that's their characterization of I'm, I'm assuming some sociological studies in there and things like that. As they wrote in the expose published in the journal Aereo, scholarship based this is this is a quote from them scholarship based less upon finding truth and more upon attending to social grievances has become firmly established if not fully dominant within certain fields in the humanities whose 
scholars increasingly bully students, administrators, and other departments into adhering to their worldview. So basically what happened here was a situation where the people who are the editors of these journals and of these papers have a lot of mud on their face and they're extremely embarrassed and they definitely uh, fell short of being intellectually honest when it comes to publishing uh, these again so-called scholarly articles. So the reactions have been predictable. Uh, journal editors feel humiliated and defensive, and some commentators have denounced the author's ethical, questionable met methodology. <laughs> but in reality, they didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. They just all fell for it. I mean, seven out of the 20 getting picked up is pretty crazy. And that just goes into what we've talked about extensively on this show. But the spread of misinformation, the spread of disinformation, how rampant confirmation bias has become. Of course, we have a situation now where anyone can just go down any political rabbit hole they want to with never recognizing the other side. And we have commentators who don't have to recognize the other side because they've monetized enough of a base so that they are uh, hyper vigilant and hyper uh, partisan and hyper um focused on one issue therefore they're able to not look at any other issues so it really does play into the larger narrative and one of the reasons why we're seeing the decline of critical thinking in this country whether you be a trump supporter or you even see this with uh you know some anti-trump supporters it can go so far uh that people stop looking for facts and simply allow emotions uh, to take over so this is a real phenomenon that is happening because we have all the information we need on our fingertips. Yeah, one of the uh, one of the articles that was published uh, was called "Our Struggle Is My Struggle," oh. uh, and it all it said was a it simply scattered some up to date jargon into passages lifted from Mein Kampf, and they published that. <laughs> See, that is horrifying, and honestly, yeah. you know, it, it's laughable, but that is how you start spreading things like uh, Mein Kampf or you know just other disinformation and other really. Uh, extravagant lies that just become true because perception is reality. Yes. So that this was it was just a really interesting study. So I just wanted to share with you again. If you want to go read the article, they go a little bit more in depth. What the grievance study hoax really shows, and I know there's a lot of people in the universities, a lot of teachers who do feel as if their voices are being silenced. And it is because, of course, universities have become so hyper-partisan and they're such big business, you know? I mean, I just feel like when it comes to taking money out of education, I would say nine times out of 10, I believe we need to finance education uh, extensively. But when it comes to for-profit universities, uh, to get people in those seats and to have them pay the 80K, 90K a, a year in some of these schools, or 13K uh, for a state school, they just want those seats occupied and they don't really care if you're coming away with an actual education or with something, uh, with a skill that can be utilized in the job force that would theoretically get you a job when you're done with college and then you could pay off those extensive student loans. But when you come when you come away with a degree in political science like I did, mm. although I was able to pay off my student loans, nice. there's a lot of not so practical majors uh, that people uh, are able to graduate with. So it, it it's an interesting study, and I think uh, it just reminds us all again: put on your critical thinking caps when it comes to this, uh, when it comes to modern politics, because 
is coming from all sides. Everyone is really, uh, again, up in arms and angry for a series of reasons. Well, let's talk about the number one reason right now this week why people are so upset. Of course, Judge Kavanaugh, as I mentioned before, he is now officially on the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court is filled now. Uh, it is a conservative court, most likely going 5-4, 6-3 in some decisions. This will impact the court for decades to come. And a lot of people uh, do believe uh, that certain rights are... Um, going to be on the chopping block, specifically Roe v. Wade. I will say uh, Brett Kavanaugh has said uh, that he believes that is settled law. Of course, we never really know uh, what judges are going to do once they get on the court. Look at uh, the Warren court, for example, when you want an example of that. There's a lot of concern. Now, we talked extensively on what two episodes ago and a little bit on the last episode uh, about all of the allegations. Uh, you know, uh, Now there was an FBI investigation, which is something that Jeff Flake a lot of the Demo well, all of the Democrats and Senator Jeff Flake called for. Senator Jeff Flake, of course, ended up voting yes. He's out of Arizona. He's not running for re-election. So that was one of those votes that the White House really needed. Mm. And Jeff Flake has publicly um, explained. He was very concerned. He was very concerned, and he has publicly <laughs> explained his disdain for Donald Trump. Yeah. So I wasn't sure exactly where he was going to end up going. Again. Where he always ends up going every <sighs> single time. Him and all these so-called resistance Republicans. Right. They talk a big game. They wring their hands. They talk about how disturbed and concerned they are. Right. And every single time, when it really matters the most, when the fucking Senate, when the vote comes up, mm -hmm. they vote with. Donald Trump and the Republican establishment every single fucking time. Uh, a good example of that is Ben Sass out of Nebraska. Oh, he's, he's sort of worn off a little bit. He's a charming guy. But then, as Marcus just mentioned, he does uh, just vote along party lines. He gave a quite an impassioned, well, mildly impassioned speech <sighs> about how he would have preferred Donald Trump to choose a woman and how he did not want uh, Judge Kavanaugh to be the nominee. Nonetheless, as Marcus just mentioned, they all fell in line, including a Democrat, of course, Joe Manchin. He needs to he's in a tight race out there. And West Virginia is one of the most uh, red states in the country. I mean, that place is on fire for <laughs> Donald Trump. They absolutely love the guy. So it was politically expedient for him to vote yes. And of course, Joe Manchin waited uh, to vote yes until after Susan Collins said that she would be a yes vote. Now, the sad thing is it was basically going to be impossible to not have Kavanaugh get the nomination. Obviously, Pence being a tie-breaking vote. And now we live in this time where all you need is the simple majority because in 2013, the Democrats uh, passed a nuclear option is what they called it, or a constitutional option, which basically just allows um, for the leader of the Senate to make the rules. And if he or she if he or she announces that they're just going to need a supermajority, that's the rule. So in no time ever will they do the 60 votes to uh, confirm a, uh, a Supreme Court justice. This was, again, as I mentioned, 50 to 48, the closest since Clarence Thomas, which was 52 uh, to 48. And of course, the, uh, the comparisons there uh, are more than just uh, the final tally when it comes to the allegations of sexual misconduct. And you can just Google Anita Hill and you can see that this Kavanaugh thing is nothing new. It's all of this. This is history repeating itself. And of course, you can also watch the documentary Anita. Mm. All right. So we have the situation where now Kavanaugh is on the court. The FBI did do an investigation as the Democrats and Jeff Flake requested. The investigation lasted a little bit longer than the investigation into Anita Hill. I believe that was around 72 hours and this investigation was around four days. 
it's interesting to see the juxtaposition because as you talk to the left regarding the Mueller investigation or uh, Rod Rosenstein and how they would like for the FBI to stand up to the Trump administration and how the FBI has been seen as the only saviors of our democracy, they did not agree with the decision that the FBI made, which basically um, went more along with Kavanaugh's narrative after Leland Kaiser, who, of course, is a good friend of Miss Ford, testified that she never met uh, Kavanaugh, nor does she have any memory of an evening like that happening. Obviously, Mark Judge, the former friend of Brett Kavanaugh also denied the claims. So the FBI did not even interview Miss Ford nor Kavanaugh. They used their testimony that was under oath. And that's what we mentioned on the episode, I believe last episode of the day or the episode before regarding um, Kavanaugh's not, not just reluctance, but overall dismissive nature when it comes to even doing an FBI investigation, because he talks about how uh, when you watch him under oath and I'm going to get into his performance there and some of the red flags and some of the questions that we're having now as a country. But when you watch that, he says, I'm already telling you everything that I know. This is the this is exactly what the FBI would be hearing. I will tell them the exact same thing that I'm telling you now. We don't need to have an FBI investigation. And that was true in the sense that the FBI did not need to interview either of them again because they just used that under oath testimony as the their final testimony in front of the FBI. But on the other hand, I, I get why, uh, why people are angry about this because I think that the FBI is a little bit better about investigating crimes than a bunch of old crusty-ass senators. I think they know a little bit more about the interrogation process, or at least the questioning process. Well, they can't make any definitive conclusions. That's the thing with the FBI. Or they Naturally, can't- but I, I would say that they know how to they know how to talk to people better than uh, you know just some senator. Sure. Even though senators are lawyers, but you know <laughs> that's the funny thing is that now that's where we are is that you can just go ahead and say yes, yeah, senators are lawyers because almost every Basically. senator is a lawyer. Right. Uh, but yeah, even though they you know might be pretty good at uh, cross examination, uh, these guys the fbi they're very they're much better at investigation so i can see why people are miffed that the fbi didn't talk to those two people and of course again as i mentioned the fbi wouldn't be able to say this nominee is no longer able to go forward right simply regurgitating the information that they were receiving from the people uh, that they spoke with and there, there are some people on the left who were upset with the number of individuals that were spoken with. Obviously, we have Swetnick, who is a client of, uh, of Michael Avenatti, uh, Deborah Ramirez, uh, another woman who talks about uh, drunkenness and uh, these kinds of activities that evidently Kavanaugh participated in in college. And uh, I'm, I don't not believe that he wasn't hammered in college. Yeah. But of course, uh, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about extremely serious allegations of sexual misconduct. And when it comes to the FBI not interviewing everybody, so you hear that you've heard this quite regularly on television, and I don't know. Television is so bizarre, and they just want to, again, now the FBI is public enemy number one, and when you watch Fox or MSNBC, they just give you two completely different narratives. What's the truth? So the one thing that they wanted to get Kavanaugh on, now this is actually apart from the sexual misconduct allegations, because you really can't prove or disprove that, and the witnesses that Ms. Ford brought forward actually more corroborated with his story in the sense that they said they don't remember it. But what people were upset about or what people thought that they could get him on was perjury. He may have perjured himself, for example, when he talks about waterboarding, when he's talking about torture during the Bush administration. Some people who worked in the administration think that he sort of puffed himself up a little bit, kind Mm. of peacocked a little bit. So there was that. Uh, Also, there were people who, when he talks about, when he does talk about drinking, never drinking until he blacked out, there was somebody who wanted to come in 
it was a former roommate who wanted to come in and testify and be like, nah, bro, I saw this dude pretty hammered. And if he if he remembers it, he would be really embarrassed. Yeah. So that's when we hear uh, people talking about how there was 23 to 29 other people that the FBI should have talked uh, to. Those are the stories that the FBI did not do a deeper dive on. Now, why didn't they do that? Well, the FBI, I understand the narrative that it's Trump versus Mueller, Trump versus Rosenstein, Trump versus the Justice Department. At the end of the day, it's still under Donald Trump and the White House. They're still under their control when it comes to this. So the White House set really strict parameters on the FBI. So the FBI wasn't actually able or uh, legally allowed to go and take all of the witnesses, all of the testimony, all of the people who wanted to um, contradict something that Kavanaugh said under oath. Uh, Specifically, again, a lot of his... um, just a lot of his uh, recollections, again, of college and then also his uh, also his professional recollections based on their experience with him. They believe that he had misspoke multiple times. So that was a lot. So I just heard some people being like, you know, I think there was a misconception that all of the people that wanted to speak to the FBI were talking for uh, talking about the sexual misconduct allegations. But in reality, uh, most of them were there. And this is just my understanding after reading about the case. Most of them were trying to just tell the FBI that this is what he lied about. Yes. Well, under oath, which, of course, perjury is a very serious crime. And all of the people that the FBI did interview also uh, under oath. And if you lie to the FBI. As we know with George Papadopoulos, Mm. as we saw with Mike Flynn, as we've seen time and time again, it's not a good look. Oh, yeah. So that is where we are right now as a nation. And it's quite interesting to think about Judge Kavanaugh as a Supreme Court justice. One of the big issues, and this is an issue that I firmly believe needs to be addressed. Can he be an unbiased judge because the biggest question it's a very very valid and very scary question it is huge because we have a situation where judge kavanaugh obviously you know i thought his performance was compelling and i did not like people like Alyssa milano for example she was invited by diane feinstein and it's just like if i see one more celebrity uh, I'm really going to start freaking out because they didn't well, they didn't work in 2016. The Democrats don't look. It doesn't look good. No, I love Alyssa Milano and Charmed. Yeah, I love Charmed. Great, great show. Great, great show. show. But, you know, you see here back there and uh, there was a lot of criticism on Kavanaugh. There was an op ed written about how he weaponized tears. Uh, he was certainly impassioned. And I thought his opening testimony actually compelling. But what happened next, of course, also in the opening testimony, the issues were talking about it in a very hyper-partisan way. He mentioned what goes around, comes around, things like that. You know, it was not professional. Uh, no, and of course so- not. And that's the, big, that's the biggest thing is that he's shown right off the bat that he can't handle his shit. Well, he, he showed right off the bat. I don't care how fucking compelling it was or anything like that. He is, he is trying to be... A, a Supreme Court justice. This right. is a job interview. You know, this is the follow-up interview to the job interview. Uh, and he's losing his shit, you know, in front of the entire world. And well, that is, that to me is like, that just tells you right there, doesn't, you know, even, you know, setting aside the allegations, mm-hmm. that tells me this guy does not have the temperament to right. be a Supreme Court justice. And I think that's an accurate criticism. And that's a criticism that is extremely prevalent 
uh, coming from all sides. As a matter of fact, Justice Stevens, former Supreme Court justice, was supporting Kavanaugh. And before that was before his testimony. And after his testimony, he rescinded his support, saying they should vote no, because he was extremely concerned that Judge Kavanaugh wouldn't be able to look past political bias um, and uh, would just constantly be clouded uh, by his hatred uh, of the Democratic Party at this point and the entire process as a whole. So that question is really significant. And I do think it's something that we'll have to continue to watch. Of course, the Democrats now coming up to November, there is a lot of anger on their side. We'll see if that ends up showing itself at the polls. The interesting thing is with this Kavanaugh confirmation hearing, both sides have become extremely energized. If you look at the generic polls, and I don't even recommend doing it because who the hell knows what they mean, um, but the Democrats actually have a their their lead. It's usually around eight to nine points. It's gone down a little bit nationally in a generic. Would you vote Democrat or would you vote Republican? So some people are arguing that this has been uh, negative for the Democratic Party. And of course, the Democratic Party is arguing that this has been uh, a great energizing factor for their base. And of course, we're seeing people um, trying to get out the vote uh, the best that they possibly can. My concern is with the Democratic Party again, as we saw today with Amy Schumer, for example, comedian and actress, uh, when she, if you watch her footage, uh, she got arrested protesting Judge Kavanaugh. Now, this is one of the most privileged things a human being can do. If you watch the footage, the officer says, do you want to be arrested? And then she says, yes, mm. um, which is wow. That is incredible. How brave. Yes. Like you said, yes, because you know you're going to get out. Mayor de Blasio does this stunt here, did this stunt on a regular basis. And I just find that to be so like, it's just such an affront to people who are actually wrongfully accused, people who are put in cuffs and the officer doesn't ask them if they want to be arrested and they say yes. And so that really does bother me. So I hope the Democratic Party doesn't go down that same path of just being the party of L.A. celebrities. Nobody cares. Nobody cares what they think because in a way, because people can't relate to them. I can't relate to Alyssa Milano's life. I don't know. Um, I'm happy that she she's doing what she's doing. I think that she's, you know, in her mind, she's doing a good job. Um, But just you got to watch this stuff for yourself. I mean, I watched I went to her Twitter feed. And I uh, saw some of her videos because, of course, she was sitting behind Kavanaugh at the hearing and she just kind of curated it and cut it the way she wants to cut it. Just watch this stuff for yourself. You don't need to be getting your political views through the lens of Alyssa Milano. And I'm not even maligning her. I get it, you know, that she wants to be involved and that's and it's all good. But just watch these things for yourself and make up uh, your own decisions because you're going to be and en- you're going to end up much more informed. You know, the stuff isn't that difficult to understand once you, uh, you know, watch it yourself. So that is the big concern now going forward with Judge Kavanaugh. Will he be able to be an unbiased judge? A lot of people think uh, that given his performance, as I just mentioned, it's not going to be possible. I also understand uh, being angry when you're accused of sexual assault, especially if you believe he didn't do it. Um, so he did have a lot of anger. So I, you know, I mean, I, but he just did not handle um, he just did not channel. We're talking about rage on the left with the rage, and there's definitely a lot of rage on the right too. That's for damn sure. But he did not channel that anger into a productive way. And when you're sitting on the Supreme Court, the scrutiny. This is just the start. Yeah, the scrutiny is going to be there. No, the he, scrutiny is going to be there for the for the rest of his life. And if that's the way he acts under pressure, that's uh, that's problematic. Yeah, he he definitely took that. He took that scrutiny, and uh, and he is going to uh, fold up that hatred for someone calling him on his shit. 
And, you know, because he is a rich kid that got called out on a shit. He is going to take that righteous indignation that he felt. He is going to fold it up. He is going to tuck it into his heart. And he is going to hold on to it until the day he dies. And that is going to cloud every single case that comes in front of him. He's going to look at it and he's going to see which side is going to piss off the Democrats the most, which side is going to piss off women the most. And he is going to vote against it. And we can only hope that is not the actual outcome, but certainly, we can again, only hope, given, given his performance, I that's not, why that is a question. I mean, Kavanaugh is a piece of shit. I mean, I'm going to go right, come right out and say it. it a is, Supreme Court justice is a piece of shit. <laughs> it's obvious. They've never that, decided anything wrong. Obvious that Kavanaugh is a huge piece of shit. Well, he's going to uh, be he's, he's going to be very good for the Republican Party. He's going to be very good for conservatives. And he's going to be very good uh, for large corporations who want to continue to uh, shift our elections in their favor by giving huge amounts of money regarding something like Citizens United, for example. No, it's a further, we are we are going further, further downhill, and uh, he's also going to definitely be on the side of uh, increasing presidential power, at least until a Democrat gets in the office. Well, uh, and he is, uh, he's going to be a very, very bad for this country, just like just about everything of the last uh, two and a half years has been. And of course, we will see the Democrats are now talking about this notion of impeachment. Extremely difficult to do. I I, I don't know if that's going to be able to uh, to be in the cards. First of all, they have to take the House. Uh, they have to take the Senate. And as I mentioned before, the Senate looks like the Republicans might end up picking up some seats. However, the House still looks good for the Democrats. This was a this was a tough week. I mean, this is one of those weeks where you watch it. Uh, you just watch the news and you almost just feel like venom. Yeah. You know, you just want to like you want to pull this disgusting thing out of you off of you but it keeps on coming at you i almost feel like that constantly where uh you know then you have pervasive thoughts that come into your head and you start really losing faith in humanity and that's exactly what this political that's exactly what the political temperament of this country is doing right now to a lot of people losing faith in humanity and both sides benefit greatly from it so one of the issues for example when we talked about the fbi investigation a lot of people said it should have gone on further this is something that I actually agree with. However, it's also infuriating because they should have had a month and a half to two months. That's when Diane Feinstein and her aides received this letter from Miss Ford. If they would have just come forward and mentioned this, of course, Miss Ford says she did not want to be mentioned at all. She did not want this to be a public thing. So you can imagine uh, the amount of stress that she went through uh, as well and the amount of stress she's still going through receiving countless death threats. She, you notice she has not been. She's not like um, no, she's not going. She's on, on yeah. every tell. She's yeah. not. Michael Avenatti is not her lawyer. No. Okay? And, and, and there's a reason yeah, for that. Yeah. She's not talking to any of the press outlets like right. she. She is a she is a a woman that is shattered by this entire process beginning to end. So who is her lawyer? Her lawyer was actually set up through Diane Feinstein and her aides. It's a prominent company in D.C. There's the ones who uh, hooked Miss Ford up with her law firm. And somehow this this letter gets leaked. And it's there's only a few people that had. So was it the lawyers that leaked it? Who the heck knows? But nonetheless, they should have had this, as we talked about in the last episode. This should have been something that we knew. This should have been something that we knew before the four days of testimony uh, under oath by Kavanaugh. And then the FBI would have had a hell of a lot more time to investigate. Mm-hmm. So that's what drives me nuts uh, about the complaint that they t- it wasn't long enough. Well, they should have had it out there. And so both sides have played this 
horribly yeah and both sides have just completely disrupted the unity of our country i i don't know how much unity we have left but it certainly didn't heal at all uh this past week that's for damn sure the divide continues to get further and further apart so as markets mentioned when it comes to judge kavanaugh a little bit more lenient to say the least on presidential powers uh maybe he'll change his tune if a democrat's in office this is why it only took 50 votes to get him confirmed of course usually it's 51 uh, in November 2013, Senate Democrats used the nuclear option to eliminate the 60-vote rule on executive branch nominations and federal judicial appointments. In April 2017, Senate Republicans used the nuclear option on the nomination of Neil Gorsuch. And now, of course, they also used the nuclear option on uh, with Kavanaugh. And I apologize. I say nuclear the way I say nuclear. It sounds good to me. It's fine. Uh, so that is, you know, when we talk about Kavanaugh saying what goes around comes around when we talk about that kind of notion that like well when 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 you are the one in power your life is going to be a living hell and there's no denying uh, Merrick Garland couldn't even get through I wish Obama could have pushed him through but that's a whole nother <laughs> thing I, just a little bit more of a backbone on occasion would have been great nonetheless uh, when you make a law or when you, when you change a rule like that, when you no longer need 60 and once you lose office, you're not or once you lose power, you're not going to be so happy mm. with the law that you passed. So we have to remember that when, when it comes to you're not going to be in power forever. And this just happens time and time and time again. So that's why it only takes 51 votes. Um, as opposed to a two-thirds um, a super majority. And again, the majority leader just raises a point of order that only a simple majority is needed to close debate on certain matters. So just we got to remember that um, when it comes to why are we getting so screwed? Why is everything so partisan? I understand that the, the Republicans are doing some atrocious things, but my God, the Democrats didn't have to do that in 2013. It would have been nice if they didn't, yeah. because now the Republicans are just running with it. And who knows if the Republicans would have done it themselves anyway? I, who the hell knows? But nonetheless, that's something uh, to think about. And lastly, with Kavanaugh, the, the, the way the news cycle works, uh, who the hell knows what we're even talking about by November 6th? I swear to God, it <laughs> oh, moves so God. fast. And that is also, folks, that is also on purpose. Uh, they want to keep you distracted. They want to keep you on a swivel. They want to stop you um, from really staying on one issue. I mean, it's incredible. You look at school shootings, for example. I mean, last I think it was 2016. Every damn week, there's another school shooting. We forget. We forget. We forget gun control conversations off the table. We forget all the time. And that is because it's almost impossible. Uh, if you wanted to keep up with the 24-hour news cycle, it's impossible to retain anything. Yeah. So why was it 5048? Just lastly, uh, there was a senator out of Montana. His last name is Dane, Senator Dane. He has his daughter's wedding, mm. and he couldn't miss it for the world, including the Senate vote. So Murkowski, of course, out of out of Alaska. She was a no vote. She she said no to move forward with the confirmation. And um, she ended up just voting present. Basically, their votes nullified each other. Therefore, it is 50 uh, 48. So just uh, OK. So let's move on just briefly here. I want to talk about this article again. This is a special investigation from The New York Times. Believe it or not, Donald Trump had it pretty easy his entire <laughs> life. The president has long, of course, he sold he's kind of sells himself as a self-made billionaire. Uh, that's his entire act. <laughs> like that's but, it. That is the act that he got elected on. Yes. And of course, a self-made multi uh, multi-millionaire, the pursuit of happiness, for example, I forget mm -hmm. the gentleman's name. Uh, Will Smith played him in the film pursuit of happiness. That man is a self-made multi multi-millionaire. They do exist. Bill Gates, you could argue self-made oh, billionaire. Yeah, definitely. Uh, 
President Donald Trump, not a self-made uh, billionaire, to say the least. Evidently. Nor is he a billionaire, most no, likely. No, he is not. No, he is not a billionaire. <laughs> that is a good point yeah. as well. Um, so this is a Times investigation found that Donald Trump received at least $413 million in today's cash from his dad's real estate empire, much of it through tax dodges in the 1990s. Uh, this is according to the article. I just want to read this. President Trump participated in dubious tax schemes during the 1990s including instances of outright fraud that greatly increased the fortune he received from his parents in investigation by the Times has found and found that his uh, father was setting up shell companies and things like that to give him money. He got ten thousand dollars. He, his father was very generous, let's say, to his son. And of course, if you go back and you watch some documentaries on the USFL, for example, or just Donald Trump's finances there's a great docuseries called dirty money and they do one on donald trump and it is fascinating bankruptcy was just a way of life mm-hmm. and of course the thing that he leveraged was his name so these corporate these large banks would say well we don't want to lose donald trump so we'll give him we'll give him a little help we won't have the interest rates be so high we'll let him pay the loans back not in full but we'll call it even things like that so he donald- got his ass powdered at every oh, yeah. turn in yep. life. Absolutely. So this is a this is just a little snippet here from this article. Fred Trump was relentless and creative in finding ways to channel his wealth to his children. He made Donald not just his salaried employee, but also his property manager, landlord, banker, and consultant. You know, he really can do it all. Yeah, he really it's can. It's <laughs> One man. That's how you're a millionaire at eight. Uh-huh. Uh, he gave him a loan. This is back to the article. It says he gave him a loan. He gave him loan after loan. Many never repaid. I, I would think so. Yeah. He provided money for his car, money for his employees, money to buy stocks, money for his first Manhattan offices and money to renovate those offices. He gave him three trust funds, three trust. This is ah. this is the thing. This is why it's just so aggravating when I see and I love working class people i mean my god the salt of the earth and i love getting out of new york city and seeing everyone going to the bars and talking to folks but this is the one thing that i just wish they would understand we're talking three trust funds here i mean this is not a man who understands your plight this is not someone who worked all day on whatever getting greasy in a shop or even flipping burgers it doesn't he just never he doesn't understand what you're going through no absolutely not and it just it goes uh with uh the american narrative uh that everyone has is that uh i know people and i and I understand the uh, the impulse to want to believe in this, to have sure, something to hold on to. Uh, but a lot of people believe that one day, out of from some miracle, the American dream is going to come true for them, and they can do that as well. well and unlike, if the guy up top yep. uh, has done that, then uh, that makes it more realistic. Now, uh, and unlike uh, Donald Trump, you know, uh, it's really hard. It takes a lot of work, and you yeah. could argue, Marcus, Henry, myself, we are. The, living the American dream. We absolutely we, we're, are. We're we so fortunate, and and we don't take it for granted because, first of all, we know it can go away in a heartbeat. Yeah. And second of all, you know how much work it took to get here, and there's just the amount of love and respect we have for every for our listeners, and just for just how fortunate we are, uh, makes you just a better person, mm-hmm. you know, but he, okay. Okay. So just going back here, he had, he gave him three trust funds. He gave him shares in multiple partnerships. He gave him a $10,000 Christmas check. Who doesn't love a $10,000 Christmas check? It's great. And he gave him laundry revenue from his building. So basically 
Donald Trump's father was a piggy bank and he, he it allowed him to go and live his extravagant lifestyle to sell the lie that is the Trump name. And I just thought that was a fascinating article in the New York Times. Of course, they said they're going to continue to dig and who knows what they find. Um, and, and who that's knows why, if we'll be talking about this on Monday? Who knows? Probably not, because this was actually pretty. This was just a blurb in the news cycle. Uh, everything seems to be a blurb. But going back to what Marcus said about executive power. Uh, that is one of the concerns with Kavanaugh. And more, the more and more we find out about Donald Trump, perhaps tax fraud, who knows, uh, who knows? if, if uh, something really gets uncovered. And if he is in the White House for another six years, I don't even I don't I don't predict anything any longer. Uh, who knows what happens uh, regarding the relevancy of the Supreme Court when it comes to the president? being prosecuted for a crime. So that's why it's all really interesting. Uh, Barack Obama, he's back out there talking quite extensively right now. I will say this, you know, he he sort of on the campaign trail, he uttered the line, Donald Trump didn't build it, right? He's like, Donald Trump didn't make his industry. I understand where he's coming from because his didn't. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But the problem is with the Democratic Party right now is messaging. And they have to just sort of, um, that's it really hurt Elizabeth Warren when she said, you didn't build it. Like all of these things just get spun. And I understand uh, we can't just be playing to the lowest common denominator here. Uh, But the rhetoric they just have to get back to the middle class and start talking to the middle class again. Jobs, education, financial, you know, when it comes to the Republicans, talk about how they are now pushing forward. This was this was earlier this week. They are pushing to solidify the corporate tax cuts even further and make those permanent, which they did not do for the middle class. I understand they're getting a little bit more money in their paychecks right now. That's all going to come to an end at some point, especially when the economy ends up collapsing. And no doubt it will. Maybe after maybe 2019, some people speculate like 2022. That seems to be where the economy uh, that seems to be where it is going when you look at the uh, when you look at the overall trends. And you can trust me. I talk to Neil Cavuto about that. Cavuto. Uh, Cavuto. So that is uh, just the concern that I have uh, going forward here. But we'll see. Again, they're Democrats. They seem to have a lot of passion on their side. And I think that that's absolutely wonderful. And uh, I just don't want them to go down the same road of 2016 when we just had a bunch of celebrities. No one relates to celebrities. Just talk retail politics. And uh, I think that that would help them out much, much more. All right. Well, that's basically the news of the week. One more area of hypocrisy. This quote from Joe Biden, which bothers the hell out of me. He says regarding the Kavanaugh nomination, it threatens not only the Senate and the Supreme Court, it threatens the basic faith the American people have in our institutions. And once again, if 2013, if they could do it again, maybe don't uh, allow for a simple majority to determine who the next Supreme Court justice is of the United States of America, because these are Long time positions, uh, to say the least. So I hope everyone's doing okay. I know it's been a really tumultuous week. Uh, Emotionally, it's been very draining, very difficult. But again, November is right around the corner. And, uh, you know, get out there, vote your heart. And um, and hopefully we can get some checks and balances back in Washington, at the very least the House. Um, Who knows? But again, it's going to it's going to be an uphill battle, because when we talk about intensity, What happened with Kavanaugh really intensified both sides. And when it comes to Donald Trump, for his supporters, it was a hell of a week for the guy. And he got basically everything he wanted to do. We got the NAFTA deal going on now with Mexico. So they have been, uh, they're they're pretty thrilled with Donald Trump at this point. And they're still, as we talked about before, when you get out of the, when you get out of the West Coast, when you get out of the East Coast, when you go to the middle of the country in places that really do get out the vote, because it's a little bit easier to vote uh, in those places, uh, there is still a lot of passion out there. So... Anyway, there it is. I guess it's pretty fun. 
Oh, yeah. Well, this week, it is a reminder, you know, just just uh, stay true to yourself. Don't get too swayed by mob mentality. And just, you know, you just look at the stuff yourself and don't uh, don't just follow everybody else. You know, that's what I say, Marcus Parks. All right. What do you say? I'd say similar things. I'm too tired to really put together a coherent thought right now. Love it. All right, everyone. <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening. We shall talk to you soon. Hail yourselves. Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am and how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org slash lost. You can live out your MasterChef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that.